Hello and welcome to this GBM Media podcast. As we're approaching the 31st of October, which is Reformation Day, the episodes of the Serving Today programme you're about to hear were first aired in 2017, marking the 500th anniversary of this major event in the history of the Church. So we hope that you enjoy them. We now have the next part of our series marking 500 years since the start of the Reformation. Some of the effects of the Reformation on church life were outlined for us last time. Now dealing with a related question, here are Philip Parsons and Derek French. Philip, we know that the Reformation affected many countries. What difference did it make to the national life of those nations? Yes, well, let's consider some of the byproducts of the Reformation, which show the contrast between cultures which have been radically affected by the Reformation and medieval society and cultures based on other religions. So what are you going to be looking at first? Well, the first thing is what has been called the right of private judgment. What do you mean by that? This principle means that every individual has the right to think for himself and make up his own mind and express his own opinion. This privilege springs out of the right for everyone to read and study the scriptures for themselves. This might seem an obvious privilege, but it is not so obvious if you live under a dictatorial regime. Before the Reformation, if you did not agree with the dictates of the church, then you had to keep quiet about how you thought, or you could be tried for heresy. Even possessing a fragment of scripture in English in the 14th century was a capital offence. Following the Reformation, this freedom did not change overnight. It took many years before true religious freedom became enshrined in the laws of nations influenced by the Reformation. But it is a myth to think that such freedom would ever have occurred apart from the Reformation. And inasmuch as we reverse the principles the Reformers laid down their lives for, then we will find our freedoms are being eroded. Hmm. What about things such as literacy and education? Yes, this is another area which is very noticeable. There was education before the Reformation, obviously, but literacy was encouraged and stimulated by the availability of the scriptures in the mother tongues throughout Europe and the right for all to read it for themselves. It was William Tyndale's aim that the ploughboy should be able to both read and understand the scriptures. Again, Henry VIII's son, Edward VI, probably the godliest king England has ever known, established grammar schools, some of which are still functioning today. And the whole Sunday school movement set up in the early 19th century was an attempt to give education to the poor. The original Sunday schools were not so much teaching the Bible, but they taught poor children to read and write. They did use the Bible as mm. a sort of textbook, but they, the main aim was to teach poor children to read and write. They were held on Sundays because it was the only day that Christians could give for this work. Interesting you say that about those early Sunday schools, using the Bible to teach them to read and write. I was talking to a prisoner the other day, and, and he's learning to read and write, and he's using the Bible to help him understand, so that's still happening today. What was the influence of the Reformation on things such as people's attitude to work? Yes, well, there's, there's what's been called the Protestant work ethic. In the Middle Ages, there was a supposed spiritual hierarchy of work with the work of the clergy considered as being more spiritual than others. 
We've already seen that much of this spiritual hierarchy was not biblical, or so-called spiritual hierarchy that was not biblical. Other callings were considered to be non-spiritual and of a lesser order. Even art was largely devoted to the adornment of church buildings and the making of religious images. So what did the Reformation achieve here? Well, it really brought back what we might call the sanctity of all callings or all types of work, with none being considered more spiritual than others. And in fact, this is what the Bible teaches, that all lawful callings, all lawful types of work, were honourable in and of themselves. All work is worship because we are following the example of our Creator, Sustainer and Saviour. After all, Jesus spent more than half of his life employed in manual work as a carpenter and builder. The scriptures teach us to do all to the glory of God, and whatever our hands find to do, we should do it with our might. The thief is to no longer steal, but to labour doing honest work with his hands, as the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians. Because work is God-given, it is more than just an opportunity to earn money and witness by our words to an unbelieving world. This means that in all our work we should aim to be the very best that we can be. I would say that the quality of our work is a more important aspect of our overall Christian witness than our verbal witness to others at work. Of course we should let them know that we are Christians, but sometimes Christians can be unwise and do damage to the cause of Christ by spending their employer's time in trying to proselytise and then turning in rather shoddy work. We should seek to shine in our callings, which then in itself will be a much greater witness than many words and will support our words when we have a legitimate opportunity to speak. By all means, let us speak to our work colleagues about spiritual matters, but let us do so in our own time and not our employer's time. Yes, because I was thinking there, that's really stealing from your employer, isn't it, if you're using the time they're paying you to work by not doing that. And if you're doing your work well, that's a powerful testimony, isn't yes. it? Obviously, the odd comment that one makes is probably acceptable. Oh, sure, yes, out, yes, But yes. I think we have to be careful about yeah, it. Yeah, it reminds me of a principle somebody said to me, for the Christian, lip and life must coincide. In other words, what you say, you know, your profession of faith with your words, and the way you live your life here, the way we do our work, should correspond. And uh, yes. if you do shoddy work, you're hindering the verbal witness that you have opportunity yes. to give. Yeah. There'll be more about the Protestant work ethic as Philip Parsons and Derek French continue their discussion in the series on the Reformation. We concluded the previous part of the series about the Reformation with a discussion about the Protestant work ethic, one of the effects of the Reformation. By this principle, the Reformers saw that all types of work had value and that no occupation was less spiritual than others. Well, with more on this point... Here are Derek French and Philip Parsons. One of the great values of a truly Christian workforce is that things such as honesty, integrity and conscientiousness are displayed in the lives of God's people and have a real impact upon a company's prosperity and a nation's economy. The problem which we have today in many places is that these principles have been seriously eroded and that this is undermining the very fabric of our society. Just think of the huge amount of money which has to be raised in taxes to cover the breaking of the Ten Commandments. Think of all the dishonesty that goes on at all levels. 
Think of all the money that is spent because of wholesale disregard for the seventh commandment, which means that extra housing for broken homes and treating sexually transmitted diseases has to be funded, let alone the money which has to be spent on policing and security and our legal system because of the breaking of the sixth and eighth commandments. In all these things, we are squandering the wealth which previous generations have gained for us. Yes, that's quite powerful actually, isn't it? You see the far-reaching effects of when God's word is being honoured and when it isn't. It's not to say that we've ever had a a perfect time. Oh, no, 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 no. But I think it's certainly true in modern times, the communist government has had to sit up and take notice of some Christian employers manufacturers who are basically Christians that are running these firms producing goods Mm. because their productivity is higher than than the the general average and 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 so they've had to take notice of them. Sure and the integrity of both men and women in that situation is something which you don't always find in the world at large. No. And you know we live in a world where there's a lot of corruption and bribery but in Christian circles, then that would not be tolerated and uh, not needed even. No. No, no. Philip, in what way did the Reformation influence what I would call humanitarian and and other enterprises? Well, I think it's true to say that it's no accident that many of the founding fathers of modern science and technology were Christians or had the influence of godly principles still persisting in their lives. Maybe some of these names that I mentioned are not so well known, but certainly in the field of physics and electrical engineering, there are names like Lord Kelvin, who is responsible for the absolute zero temperature. And then is Michael Faraday. His work underlies all of our electricity and electronics. And then James Clark Maxwell, whose work in analysing electromagnetic radiation has enabled us to design aerials and have radio signals and microwave signals transmitted all the way around the world. And these men were Christians? They were, they were basically Christians, yes. yes. And they did their work conscientiously and pursued their subject. It's not saying that you, you know, great discoveries can't be made by people who aren't Christians. No, 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 but they... But it's very interesting that many of them were. And then there's great social reformers of the late 18th and early 19th century. William Wilberforce is a notable example and and his work in abolition of slavery and in many other fields as well. He Mm -hmm. had a lot to do with education. Then there's Lord Shaftesbury who was very concerned about conditions in the mines and in the factories and put a lot of legislation through Parliament which made life for workers in the factories and mines much easier. I think it would be wrong to say that there could be no progress in science or the caring professions without a strong evangelical influence. But the fact of the matter is that a great impetus was given to these areas by the efforts of dedicated evangelicals who put the glory of God and the welfare of their fellow human beings above the desire for personal gain or recognition. Mm, Yes, I think that's really very important, isn't it? Yes. And uh, it's a challenge to us to... You know, to truly live for Christ today in, in our world. Yeah, it is, yes. Yeah. Well, Philip, how are we going to bring this study on the Reformation to a close? Well, we have to say that we have a great heritage in both church and national life, which is being attacked 
in some cases quite openly. And the wholesale undermining of the Christian principles which have been the basis of the greatness of many nations is alarming, and if allowed to continue could well push us back into a kind of medieval night dominated by false religions of all kinds. If the moral and spiritual decline continues, then we are in for dark days ahead. Let us pray that God will act in mighty power to turn the tide, and at the same time let us aim to be faithful to the principles of the Reformation in every area of our lives, and do all within our power to halt the appalling decline, whether in our churches or in society at large. Thanks to Derek and Philip for this overview of the origins and effects of the Reformation. Well, thanks for listening to Serving Today, a podcast from the Grace Baptist Mission radio team. To get in touch with us, you can send us a message via WhatsApp. The number is plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. That's plus four four seven five zero eight nine three two five three four. Or email us. The address is servingtoday at gbm.org.uk. Until next time, goodbye.